When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. The Cubs are in a conundrum because they don't want to overpay. It is getting late. You know, I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't talk to Scott. With respect to Bellinger, like I'm, I'm like everyone else. We're just waiting. You know, we're waiting for um, whenever, uh, whenever he and his agent are going to engage. And uh, you know, it could be, could be any time now, or it could be a few weeks. We'll just see where it goes. I fear that if they don't get this done, their people are going to feel like it was an unsuccessful off season. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Stay calm. And some big news from Cubs spring training this morning. ESPN reporting the team and free agent outfielder Cody Bellinger have reached a tentative deal on a new three-year, $80 million contract. He's only 28 years old. He will receive opt-outs after the first and second year of that contract. No official word yet from the Cubs or Bellinger. We will keep you posted. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 670 The Score. Fly the W. Let's go. <laughs> now that's got to be out of context. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David with the rare day off, and we've got Gabe Ramirez here. You. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yesterday was quite the day at the United Center. Holy mother of God, what a glorious day. The banner raising for Kaner, excuse me, for <laughs> for our guy Chelly Kaner there for his uh whatever return to Chicago. The game itself, Bedard scored a goal, but Kaner with the winner <laughs> and everybody cheering. The crowd went home happy despite an overtime loss, literally like tons of celebrities, tons of fun, tons of uh, Chelly love, Kaner love, Blackhawks love. It was good. I mean, it felt like the Blackhawks needed it. It's been a while. Obviously, there's been a dark cloud over the organization for a few years now. So to get some positivity. And then you mentioned it, right? Dennis Rodman, Cindy Crawford, Wayne Gretzky. That might have been the highlight of the game. She comes out and does the, you know, yeah, the puck, puck drop the puck thing. 
That was unbelievable. She scores a goal on that. Didn't even hesitate. No. Just whacked it, got it. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, it was good to see the, 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 the Madhouse on Madison rocking last night, especially with everybody in attendance. Yeah, it was great. Um, it, every time they cut to a, a crowd shot, you're like, is that John McEnroe? Like, wow, I can't <laughs> believe he's here. It was pretty cool. Yeah, my boy, he uh, he works at the Four I don't know if I can say this. He works at the Four Seasons, so uh-huh. he's a bar manager over there. So he's, he was texting the group chat all weekend. Telling you who's look who's, look who's here. Look at like, but is yeah. but is Jordan there? That's the only one. Yeah, that I asked about. Mike didn't Jordan come. There? He did send the video. He said in the video that there was a death in the family, so he couldn't mm. be there. It was the right thing to do. It would have been bad had he shown up for that. Yeah, and not the Ring of Honor. Yeah, he missed them both. <laughs> didn't make Chelly's <laughs> event, but that's okay. In your mind, Chris Chelios, just you know, the player. Obviously, you you get the opportunity to talk to him all the time here on the show. But as a player, your, a great player. Your, your memories of him, I mean, what? Oh, he was a great player. He was a, you know, he's probably the greatest American-born defenseman of, of all time. And, you know, they mentioned it. He led the Blackhawks in penalty minutes in nine years. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there was, you know, he could play a lot of different ways and he could score goals and he did so much, but he could also mix it up and he was tough as nails and, just a hard man, you know, just a really great hockey player. And, you know, you saw it in Montreal. You saw it, um, sadly, in Detroit. And he made a joke with Kaner about wearing that uniform. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I mean, he just had tons of success. Great hockey player. And, and one of the all-time stories, given where he came from and, you know, growing up on the south side, he talked about, We've heard that story going to Ace Hardware, getting the skates with his mom. I don't think I heard um, that story. Oh yeah, yeah. He's talked about it on the air, and and just you know, the way that he grew as a player. They moved to uh, to Southern California when he's in high school, so he leaves Mount Carmel, and he had tried out for some team, and he runs into a guy on the beach. You know, he's he's going to Muscle Beach, wherever, whatever you do in San Diego. And uh, and the guy tells him, hey, you might have a chance in Moose Jaw. Here's the coach's name and number. You're a pretty good player. Give him a call. And that's how he ends up that's incredible. getting into the <laughs> minor league system, goes to Wisconsin, drafted by Montreal, wins a cup in Montreal, traded to Chicago. I mean, just that it's – it, it is, and he played till he was 48, right? He played uh, even beyond that in the minor leagues, but he wa- he played for the Trashers, I think, in his age 48 season. Oh, my God. And Hockey's uh, not a sport you should be playing at 48. It's unbelievable. They said yesterday, and i, I got to ask him about this next time we talk to him, they said he played six years with a torn ACL. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? Hockey. <laughs> you know, it's like I got a trick knee. What? <laughs> Hey, is that possible? You only, Holy guacamole. You only push off one leg, Molly. You know, hmm. you know there's certain things you got to have a workaround. Played I mean, at a high level all the time. I mean, wow. I love the part Great of his uh, speech where he talked about, you know, being traded to Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, hearing having that phone call with his agent. It's got to be a, a cool thing, right? Like, as you just mentioned, you know, being in San Diego, coming up to Wisconsin, going to Montreal, and then ultimately not necessarily knowing if, you'll ever make it back to Chicago. Yeah. And then you get the opportunity to. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. Um, he and Dick Butkus, the only Chicago-born and bred 
players to have their jersey retired by the local football team, the local hockey team. You know, pretty extraordinary when you think about it. Yeah, and then uh, just waiting a couple of years for Derrick Rose to join that that You think Derrick Rose will one day join that group? Do you think they'll raise his jersey? The the Bulls? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, it would it would be a disservice to to Derrick Rose. It would be a slap in the face to all fans of Chicago. Hmm. Youngest MVP. Uh, he was oh. the youngest ever MVP. It's just such a star-crossed career after that, Brandon. You know, such a tough, the injury and then the relationship with the team broke down. And, you know, I'd I just be curious. I'm sure you're right. Someday they'll do it. But, you know, poor Derrick Rose. You know, just one of the all – you thought he'd be one of the all-timers. You also thought he was bound to get hurt the way he played and – you know, kind of. The, that it was inevitable. It's kind of yeah, like John Morant, just yeah. the style. Just his style of play. Jerry Sloan, Bob Love, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Pretty that's, good. That's who's on the Raptors right now. That's actually. <laughs> not tons. It's not tons. Der- so who is it? So is, you said, did you say Bob Love? Who, who yeah. Before? Bob Love. Jerry Sloan. Jerry Sloan. Jordan Pippen. Mike and Pippen. And then okay. you have, you know, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause situation. But the players, I mean. It'd be tough for Derrick Rose to have retired, time to have passed, the discussion to begin about whether or not his number should be retired, and 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 for someone to make a strong argument against it. It'd be because t- then it'd be emotionally driven at that point. Right. Well, I mean, in the present, I, I, you can I mean, make a good argument about look, his I, career and stats. Gail Sayers, I believe, Hall of Famer, um, who was the running back out in Denver to want to couple of uh, Super Bowls, Terrell Davis, guys who played six years, like did not have the length of career that you usually would expect, but were so extraordinarily good in a brief period of time that they've made the Hall of Fame. That would, the argument for would have to include that. It would have to be about the the length of of career wasn't long enough to justify retiring a number, just being honest. Whose length of career? Th- those Derek two gentlemen. Rose. Der- Derek Rose has been in the NBA for. I'm saying the length of you know top level okay. career is limited. Right? So you don't Am think? So you don't think that they? Oh, that I think they. I think for the reasons you mentioned, they may well do it because you know Simeon and. But you don't agree with it. I don't know that I think he belongs in the rafters, and I know this is a hard argument to have, but. Give me the give me the cons. Is it outside of, of length career. of outside of outside of length of career? How, I mean, that's the only one. He just didn't do enough over the course of his career. I think when I look at you know when I think about an individual having his number you know being in the Raptors specifically for the Chicago Bulls, I think and and when talking about Derrick Rose, I think you know changing the franchise and the trajectory of it and where it was to I, me that know, was extremely important. You could argue that Joakim Noah had like a better Bulls career than Derrick Rose did. Yeah, defensive player of the year. I mean, just heart and soul of the team. Fifth in MVP voting one year, right? So do they, do they put up a rafter with like Lou Aldang? No, joking? that's no. my, my point is, <laughs> my point is it's not the very good. It, it's like the best ever. And I, I think Derrick was probably heading there before injury waylaid his career. So I think, you know, I just think it's some, something that yeah. you, you would have to um, – I think even in his short career, he's still one of the best Bulls ever. And so in, st- in terms of what he did in his career, he's still at the, in the Mount Rushmore of Bulls players 
even in that little period of time. Yeah, I I can't go there at all. It's not a long enough career. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. This is a good. This is a good. It's not a long. Well, I I didn't come in here thinking we'd have that debate. (laughs) I just think that to have your number in the rafters. Yeah. You know that that says something about who you are and what you accomplished. Yeah. And I think that with Derek, unfortunately, it's just sort of a. it, it was, you know, you you wanted him to get there. You hoped that he would get there. Looked like he might. But, again, the injury, not only the injury, you know, kind of what happened after the injury where he had various members of his camp that were talking to the Bulls, and, and you never knew on a night-to-night basis when he was going to be able to play or where that decision was coming from. That's why they got – that's why they got rid of him. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, they just couldn't, they couldn't go on that way. And, um, that, that is the truth of what happened. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think it's a hard call. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying it won't someday happen, but a lot of things would have to soften, yeah. including the, the demands upon a player to, um, you know, to get there. Yeah. It's going to be a healthy discussion. I look at guys like Shaq, who just had his number or jersey retired by Orlando. Well, and he, he played four seasons with them. Yeah, you well, know, they so, drafted him. That's why. Yeah, the Bulls Bulls drafted. Derrick I know, Gross. but I'm so, saying I think it's because and he was Shaq. He ended up winning all these titles. He got the Bulls past the. Uh, he got the uh, the Magic past the Bulls one year uh, when Michael was just coming back. Uh, so they probably that's probably as good as they've done. You know, I would not put Shaq in the rafters if I were Orlando. I think he probably deserves it from L.A., right? Because that's the team that yeah, LA, he won his titles with. Miami. Yeah, he won a title in Miami. Got a little D-Wade love over there. Do yeah. you feel Orlando probably just needed a – wasn't he the first? So yeah, they just they needed, just needed a, jersey. a number. And he's yeah. probably the biggest name out of – That's what he is. And he, not, not just the biggest name – in terms of size, because he's that, <laughs> but the biggest name in terms of star power, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think they're retiring Nick Anderson's number anytime. No, Penny Hardaway. <laughs> yeah, saw Nick Penny. Anderson play in high school. I saw Nick Anderson play for Prosser High School. How about that? He went to Prosser. Nick Anderson went to Prosser for two years, and then he was at one of these All American camps, and he met Benji Wilson. And he wound up transferring to Simeon. And then he never played with Benji because Benji Wilson was murdered on the eve of his senior season. Benji Wilson oh was a, he, he was a kind of a 6'8 point guard. I saw him play. Not many people got that opportunity. And he was murdered um, after, I think, was he, a, was he, did they win the state title when he was a junior? And um, and then he was murdered on the eve of his senior season before the first game of the year. Wow. Yeah, it was awful. Just horrible. Shot outside the high school, outside of Simeon. Just a, an unbelievable story. And then Nick Anderson was the star of Simeon without the star he had gone sure. to play for. Yeah. What an incredible story. Oh, it, was, it was unbelievable. I knew he went to Illinois. I just didn't know he. Yeah, I didn't know his story. That's here how he started, and and I believe the coach's name was Gina Dino. Am I right about that? He was the coach of Prosser. He ended up kind of retiring after Nick Anderson left. Like you wait your whole career to, to coach get a it. player like that, <laughs> and then he goes someplace else. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're playing basketball on 
Fullerton and, they, and Central. You don't think you're going to get a guy like that. They all wore Benji Wilson's number, all those guys. All that. Because that, uh, that's who Derek Rose is always paying homage to, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because he was the number one player in the country going into his senior year at Simeon and was murdered before the season began. And, and I mean, it wasn't just that he was murdered. They, like, got him. To, they did a documentary, a 30 for 30 on it. They got him to the wrong hospital. And oh, it no. Just, it was a disaster. And we're at that point. And he died. Mully, were you were you writing for the paper? I was. Or just... I was covering. I was in college. I was covering high schools, and I was writing for the newspaper. So I would write like prep stories. I would go cover afternoon games uh, in the public league, and then night games in various suburbs, and um, and then you know I would call in a story or write something about the game I'd been to. And then I started working in the office and that's how I started out as a sports writer. Mm. So when I graduated, I just continued to do that until I eventually became the bulls beat writer when I was like 26. Very young man. It's it. High school sports are extremely exciting, especially for, so I can imagine you being there and you know, still being you know, edge of your seat mm. kind of stuff. Oh, on Saturday, the public league played over the rim. Right. I mean, I, it was unbelievable how talented some of these guys were that never went anywhere that you've never heard of, but were just unbelievable high school basketball players. And and um, and, and it's you know a lot of guys like it, it, a lot of guys would end up going you know to schools not in the city to schools you know like out west maybe or whatever. Right. Um, a lot of guys went to like New Mexico, New Mexico State. Just felt that way anyway. Why do you feel like Chicago was never able to? Well, DePaul kind of fell apart in their recruiting here. They could no longer get guys. They started going, you know, the, you had the great Flying Illini team, which was a lot of local kids. And then um, and they they were, you know, just sensational. And then you got to like, um, it just, it, it, you know, who who was, was it Bill Self was there? He started, he had a yeah. nice tie-in in Chicago and he started bringing guys to Kansas. I mean, it was like, there was just this, this kind of group of kids that weren't going to stay local anymore because they weren't necessarily being recruited or because all these other conferences were on TV and their friends could see them. So... I think that it just it sort of became more of a national thing, you know, and we see it happen to this day where the best players end up, you know, being found by the top schools. You know, there's there's, uh, you know, who's, you know, the guy with the Lakers local kid goes to this kind of obscure high school and winds up at Kentucky. You know, it's it's just unbelievable (laughs) how how uh, how, you know, the big time. Schools get the big time recruits. It's been going on forever. Yeah, and I think that. But DePaul used to get a lot of Chicago guys, and that kind of dried up as as things went south for DePaul. Yeah, DePaul's been struggling for a while. I think we forget here in Chicago that you know we do have some of the most talented players in the country. So when asking the question like, "Hey, why aren't these guys playing at UIC or Northwestern or you know DePaul as you mentioned?" It's because the programs aren't big enough. The guys are too talented. So instead of creating some sort of super team here in the city, they get an opportunity to go to Kansas and play at one of the best programs in the country and uh, get more eyes on them for the potential to go to the NBA. So, But it is something that people are always talking about. 
Like the talent right, just leaves. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is um, Loyola just won 20 games. I don't know if you follow the Ramblers. Well, they're having a really yeah. good year in the A-10. And they've got this freshman center out of Simeon named Miles Rubin, who, you know, is a raw player and needs to put on some muscle, tall, thin. But, my God, I mean, you want to talk about a guy. He He's like like fifth in the country in blocking shots. He's just a phenomenal over-the-rim defender and a, and a really good player. And it's, you know, it's like, how did he wind up at Loyola? You know, it's <laughs> unbelievable. They did a great job recruiting him. I think he's got a twin brother. And initially the two of them were going to go there. The, the brother, I apologize for not knowing his first name. He's at uh, Northern Iowa. Okay. I believe he's um, a red shirt there. So he's in the MVC, but his brother is playing great for Loyola, and it's one of the reasons the Ramblers are doing as well as they're doing um, in the A-10. They're tied for first place in the A-10. A couple big games this week, so keep an eye out for Loyola. They got they got the Bonnies of St. Bonaventure, I want to say Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they play Friday at Loyola against Dayton, which is one of the biggest games of the year. They're saying that – I mean, they, they played George Mason. They beat him by 20, and um, they, they were phenomenal. They, they just they, – they had 11 guys playing. Everybody contributed. I think they had 10 different guys score. Uh, this was on uh, Sunday, right? Or was it Saturday? Saturday. And, um, and they won, and that's their 20th win of the year, and they are 12-2 and two in the conference. They won four games in the conference a year ago. So they've turned, you know, they went from the MVC into the A10, and they had to adjust. Had a really bad year, and now they've adjusted, and and they got a couple of big time recruits a couple of weeks ago. So they look like that program look, looks like it's in good shape. Yeah, Drew Valentine's doing a great job. Great job over there. I great mean, he's job. really just really got a hold of that of that program. Yep. Miles Rubens, the freshman that yep. you're talking about, good six player. ten. 610205. Yeah. I think about that when I cuz I weigh more than 205 uh-huh. and I'm nowhere near 610 Molly. Mm-hmm. And so it always throws me off when I do, when I see yeah. 610205. I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. No, he's <laughs> tall and thin, but he's got a great body on him and you know, when he gets in the weight room, I think he's going to be a sensational talent. He really he's really good in that league. He might be in the wrong league. Yeah, how how deep do you think the uh, Ramblers can go? This year? I don't know. I mean, I think they're the best team in the A-10 right now. I mean, again, they, you know, I I hope they are peaking, but the performance they put on Saturday was unbelievable. That, that, the George Mason had just beaten Dayton. It was like their biggest win in years for the program. And then they came to Loyola and just got crushed. The Ramblers were unbelievable. They played, they just played in waves of players. It was yeah, it was extraordinary. They went 11 deep. I'm not making that up. They really – and they didn't lose a lot when they were bringing guys in. I mean, it was really kind of extraordinary. They got – I think they have four guys in graduate school. Yeah, I just saw you know, that. They picked up some guys who were um, who were coming out of the Ivy League, and the, and the Ivy League does not allow a fifth year of eligibility and does not let That's you interesting. go to graduate school. And play, so they they come to Loyola because they have the the law school, the business school, the the um, medical school, and they can get a year of graduate school in their fifth year. And and the, you know they've been 
that's helped a ton. Um, they've got a couple of guys that have transferred in. Got this really nice player leading them in scoring as a wing player. Good player. Yeah, they got Six, a five transfer from Davidson. Couple games left. I think Watson is that right? Desmond so Watson. many, so many players that are excuse me, so many graduate students. They might have some guys on here that are married with children. <laughs> they might be. They're not that bad. It's not that old. But no, I mean they got. I mean, I mean Gray's you know, coming in. <laughs> Ivy League guys, get out of here! Come on. It's gonna that's gonna raise the the uh, GPA, GPA on that team. <laughs> exactly. Hey, have you got anybody struggling? Go see. Uh, go see Matt. He's gonna tutor you. Yeah. <laughs> after practice. Pretty good. <laughs> You help him write his papers. Hey, professor, why don't you help me? But they have, you know, I think it's Braden Norris. He was a red shirt when they were in the Final Four. That was like six years ago. That was a while ago. Yeah, and um, and he's still there. He he's on his fifth year. He's the starting point guard. Um, so he's in graduate school too. You know, it's it's a good it's a good it's a good group. Yeah. They're going to be at least, you know, we will be represented in the tournament. That's the good thing. Well, be, hopefully. Well, Illinois, obviously, would be in the tournament. Illinois, Loyola. Hopefully, Northwestern. Loyola. Northwestern could easily be in the tournament. They're having a great I think year. they should. Yeah, I think, you, I think they will. Lift three. DePaul. No, just like. No, DePaul is. <laughs> no, oh, no, what's going to happen with them? All right, we got tons to get to. Big night at the stadium. The Bulls win a game. The uh, the return of of Cody Bellinger, for God's sake, let's not bury the lead. The Cubs are ready to start the season now, which is uh, is good news. And we'll get into all of it. We'll pick it all apart. We got the pick six next. It's Mully and Haw. We've got Gabe Ramirez here on us. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more. Game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. All right, guys, what do you make of Cody Bellinger's return to the Cubs on a three-year, $80 million deal? Do you consider it a one-year, $30 million deal? Will there be any regression in his numbers, or does the short-term deal ensure top effort? Yeah, it's a one-year deal. I mean, he got he has opt-outs after each of the first two years. I, I got to tell you, I think it's an extraordinary deal. 
I know they've never paid anyone $30 million for a season before, but this is a best-case scenario, in my opinion, for the Cubs. Because you get this guy, you get him highly motivated because he wants to get back on the free agent market as fast as possible. And, um, and you also have a guy in Pete Crow Armstrong that you're developing into that position, and it buys you more time to do so. And who knows? Maybe he stays here for the length of the contract. We'll, we'll see. I think it's 30, 30, 20, or 25 in the last year, something like that. 20, I guess. Um, but uh, it's a really good deal for the Cubs. They should feel great about it. They held their water. They didn't outbid themselves. It was the obvious place for him to go. And you got him on a short-term deal, which is ideal, in my opinion. All right. When I was waking up on Sunday, yeah. I was the mindset for me was like getting ready for this Chelio special. And I woke up, and the first thing I saw was Bellinger, three years, $80 million. And I was like, it's a good deal. And then I realized, I was like, oh, there's opt-outs. And then I was like, okay, so it's a one-year deal, right. which is still like, I was like, okay, you know, that's still okay. Like, I think – that was the pushback between Jed Hoyer and Bellinger. That's what we've been hearing. Like the terms of the the money was one, like the 25, we don't want to go above 25 million. I don't know if we want this many years right now. So I, a one-year deal to me is great overall. Now I just want to see them go all in. But with that being said, will his numbers regress? I mean, time would tell with that. One-year deal is a prove-it deal. It's kind of like what he did before. So I expect the same type of production from Cody Bellinger this year. Was it a great deal for both parties? Absolutely. I think everyone can agree on that. Cody gets his money. Cubs get their man. Do I consider it a one-year $30 million deal? No. The reason why, I'll explain in my third part of the answer. But no one's going to give Cody Bellinger $30 million next year either. So he's going to opt in. So this is most certainly going to be a two-year at the very minimum deal. And then, you know, that $20 million on the back end is probably when he most certainly will opt out to get more money. And the reason why is because there will be a regression when it comes to Cody Bellinger's numbers. Take a look. Last year, highest batting average of his career, highest stolen bases, second uh, highest on-base percentage, third highest slugging, third highest OPS, second highest in runs, second highest in hits, second highest in doubles, third highest in home runs, second highest in RBIs. Outside of a shortened COVID season, he had the fewest strikeouts of his career. So these are all high marks last year. And if people thought he was going to duplicate that, he would have got way more money. But the fact that there was a discussion is because there was fear of some sort of regression. And even if it's a, a, a small regression to the mean, it's still worth the money that you're giving Cody Bellinger as he shores up the middle of your lineup. And, and we should mention, he was scheduled to make $25 million on his contract that he got out of. So he gets a $5 million raise for the one year. An earned so that Yeah, raise. so that works out. But he did earn it over the course of his Agreed. season last year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is a, a question I struggle with. Is the Cubs roster now complete now that Bellinger has signed? What are the implications from a roster standpoint? Who will be most impacted? I don't think anyone in the Cubs front office thinks that this roster is complete, but something happened to me yesterday. You know, I realized, you know, Mully, you know, I'm a Sox fan. I got my Sox hoodie on. Yeah. But I've, I've, I've come to, to grow to like this Cubs team in the last couple of years, and I've tried to figure out why, and I thought it was because of the, the hard-playing nature of the guys. But then I realized... I'm, I'm a fan of the front office. I'm a fan of what they've been doing for their team over the last couple of years, including this move. So I know and I have confidence in them 
that they themselves think, hey, we're not done. We have more moves to make. So, no, the roster is not complete. Who's going to be the most impacted with this signing in particular? I think it's PCA. I think that, you know, he had free reign at center field had Cody Bellinger not been there. Cody Bellinger coming back, he's going to play a handful of games there. Maybe that's a great thing for PCA, uh, but I think he's going to be the guy that becomes most impacted, and Michael Bush for that matter. I mean, no, their roster is not complete right now. I mean, to me, it, it, it it's cool. It feels like it's the same roster as last year, and what did that get you? You mm. just missed the playoffs. So that's one thing. I mean, they didn't make – they made a minor league deal. They got uh, Garrett Cooper. There's, there's somebody that, you know – if you like that. But at the same time, I, I feel like with this, you you need more. If you got Cody Bellinger on a one-year deal, I feel like this is the time to, like, go all in. Try to get Chapman. Try to get Jordan Montgomery. Just One-year deals. Let's just try to do that for all Scott Boris-type clients. Let's see if that works. With that being said, I just feel like the person who's most impacted, piggyback off gay, is PCA. And you, you saw how he was playing at the end of the season. I mean, he, he couldn't even really get a hit. He runs, he plays great defense. He's, he's extremely fast. He can steal a lot of bases, but we, we need more power for the Cubs and Bellinger's a start. So I just feel like you, you need to add more to that. Um, I think PCA has to go to the minor leagues. I mean, he needs at-bats. He mm. needs to play every day. I think this means he's in Iowa. I'll be curious. Toutman is the backup center fielder now, and then occasionally – if Belly's playing first base, then you have him in center field. Who's going to be the next? They'll probably keep five outfielders, right? Do you keep Canario, or are you running into the same issue of at-bats and how many at-bats can you get them and do guys? You know, PCA needs more at-bats at the minor league level. This allows him, this takes a lot of the pressure off him. It allows him to go to Iowa and to develop um as you know, you just need more at bats. Um, but it's funny you mentioned Chapman because they, the the word is that they're they're done and they can't afford Chapman now. I, I read somewhere that they are still even with this deal about thirty million below the tax, so they could go get Chapman if they were so inclined. Maybe they're not inclined. You know, maybe they want to see what Morrell can do at third base because it, it does feel like a tryout, right? I mean, it does feel like a tryout. Um, and same thing with Michael Bush at first base. It seems like they made a trade and they got a guy and he might be able to do it and we'll see. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you want to get more veteran help. They signed a couple guys to minor league deals. Do they fit in now? Are they gone? Cause they seemed like insurance policies, and now Bellinger is back. It, I, I'll be really curious. You know, he's got to pass the physical, right? Did he take it yesterday? So once that happens, then they put him on the roster. Then they got to make a move. Someone's off the 40-man, right? So we'll see who that is. And um, could be no big deal, but they also are prob- – it probably impacts guys that – young guys that hope to get playing. Like Matt Mervis. Year. Like well, Matt that's Mervis, a guy who, who a guy could, could be impacted. That's a very good point because because Bush is ahead of him and he was sitting there waiting and now maybe you don't need him. <laughs> that's a big question. 
What does the signing of Cody Bellinger to a short-term deal mean for Major League Baseball? Will the rest of Scott Boris's clients end up signing short deals? Why did so few guys outside of the international market not get big deals? It's fascinating to look at. You know, obviously, the international market, you know, you, you gave $325 million to a pitcher who's never pitched in MLB <laughs> coming from Japan. You gave... 700 million to the best player in baseball, although he won't be able to pitch and, and is only a DH, won't be able to play uh, center field this year. But that's a 10 year deal, and, and you're looking down the line on that one. Um, but I think we all felt when these deals started going that there were going to be a ton of, you know, I, I think Bellinger thought he was going to get 225, 225 million. And he settles for a one-year deal at 30. So I guess if he had a 10-year deal, it would be uh, a, a $300 million deal. But but the short-term solution worked well for Bellinger because he's 28 years old. It would work well for Jordan Montgomery. I don't know. I don't know if Snell wants something like that. He supposedly is close with the Yankees, but the Yankees haven't moved yet because they are – they are of the belief they would rather have Dylan Cease, yeah. and they are of the belief that they're close to a deal, the holdup being there's a minor league outf- outfielder that the Sox are um, insisting is included in the deal, and that's a breaking point for them. So until they sign Snell, there's still a possibility that they're more interested in Dylan Cease, so you can hold your breath on that one a little bit. I think it's also different with pitchers like – don't they need to get into camp fairly early? You know, you have to use spring training to gear up as a pitcher. You need a few weeks before you really are ready to start throwing hard. So I'll be curious to see how that works. Chapman, it looks like a short-term deal. It just does, it doesn't look like anyone's going to pay him. And I don't know who's, who's left to pay him right now, but they're not lining up for these guys because no one wants to give away $200 million. Heyman said it last week. The money was drying up at this point, so it makes sense. Like, all the big money started earlier in the MLB, like, free agency period. I think this is the wave, too. I don't think we're going to be seeing too many of these 10-year, 12-year type contracts anymore. They don't age well. I think we're going to start seeing probably most, maybe like eight years, maybe six years. That's what I think that's going to be what the wave is. I mean, pitchers don't do well in that. And I think these owners – are kind of getting a little bit tired of Scott Boris. I think he has a lot of clients, but at the same time, him talking and I think like you heard Ricketts. I, I didn't really talk to Boris. I don't really I don't I don't talk to him. I'm just gonna let the, my GM take care of that. And I think a lot of owners are feeling that way. And I think the money dries up, and then he's like, hey, look, we'll give you these one year prove it deals or the same type of deal that's like bellies happen. I'm surprised to see what Chapman's gonna get down the line and what like Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, like those clients are gonna get from uh, MLB. I think something to point out that's very interesting with the pitchers that still remain, they're both 31, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. It's a damning age for a pitcher, and, and especially to be able to come up in free agency. At that point, it's tough because no one wants to give you money. Brandon, you pointed it out. I talked to Bob Nightingale on Friday, and he said the exact same thing, right? Teams spent their money at the very beginning, and then teams like the Rangers, the Blue Jays, not getting Shohei Otani, they just clamped up the wall that didn't want to spend. I think some other interesting components is – Major League Baseball teams are allowing younger players to come into the league sooner. 
right? And what does that do? A supply-demand issue. You have more talented players, less of a, of, a, of a need to go get these $200 million guys. But that was a precedent set even just last year, right? Aaron Judge getting 360. You get Trey Turner getting the 300. Xander Bogart's 280. Dansby Swanson, 177. Carlos Correa having a myriad of offers from multiple different teams. It just doesn't happen like that every offseason. Every offseason, there isn't six, seven teams trying to vie for the top talents, and I think that's what we saw this year. Shohei was the prize, and once he was had, no one wanted to break the bank anymore. It's a good question. What was the greatest moment at the United Center yesterday? The Chris Chelios jersey retirement, Patrick Kane's return, or the actual Red Wings uh, at Blackhawks game? It might have been the hit that Bedard put on Kaner. That was a nice one. I wasn't expecting that one. That might have been one of my favorite moments of the night. Or maybe, as we mentioned a second ago, Cindy Crawford draining that shoot the puck. That was <laughs> wild. I can't believe she made that. Um, but it has to be Kaner. It has to be the ovation. When he comes out initially, there's this smirk on his face of joy. I think every player wants to be loved by a team, by especially the one that they won championships with. And so for Kaner to come back, feel the love initially, and see the smirk skate out, that was great. The second time he skates out, it was more embarrassment. But a smirk still kind of flowed through because he said, damn, this is crazy. And then when the third one happened, when – when the cheers continued into minute number two and Patrick Kane could do nothing else but just embrace it and soak it in, smile the biggest smile you'd seen him do in the last two minutes and take that third little go round. It just, it gave you goosebumps. It felt good. It brought back all the good memories from before. And obviously Chelios was a huge moment. But for me, a little bit younger Kaner, that thing was incredible, that standing ovation. I mean, the Kane thing was, it couldn't have been scripted any better. I mean, the fact that, the Blackhawks got showtimed and overtime. I, I just <laughs> thought that was cold. I mean, so the only thing that could have made that game better, I would like to see a Bedard goal. That would have been kind of cool if he would have scored in there as well. But I'm going to be biased because of my Mount Carmel loyalties. I'm going to go with Chris Chelios. I loved his whole speech. Yeah, my favorite part I love when he came out in the Lincoln. I love that he gave Dennis Rodman some love. I love that he took a little slight little dig at Kane, but also gave him some – some kudos on top of that. So I'm going to give it to Chelios in this. That, would, to me, was the greatest moment. Um, the whole thing. I, I, it, it was extraordinary how one thing bled into the next and into the next, and then, and then the ending of it was, you know, elegiac. You know, it was just this. There was, there was like, just a hint of sadness for the great former player scoring against his old team and everybody kind of going crazy. There, there were just so many, so many great words that, that really, you know, jumped to your mind to describe what was, you know, this, it was poetic. I mean, it was just this extraordinary iambic moment in time where there was this beautiful rhythm to the day with with Chris and his speech and him going in and Kaner acknowledged and then the game starting and then the video tribute and Kaner acknowledged and the game going on and Bedard scores a goal. I thought what Kane said about Bedard was beautiful. He talked about how when he was uh, when he was a you know that uh, Patrick Sharp used to say to him 
that, you know, you are to the manor born. You are spoon-fed because you were a number one pick. And he used to say to Patrick Sharp, it's a pity you didn't work harder when you were a kid. <laughs> and, and they used to have a laugh about it. And he said that of, of Bedard, that this is clearly a guy that, like Kaner, you know, a number one pays worked for it. And then he scores a goal. And then, you know, you get a goal to tie the game from 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 Cat to Brinkett. And then you get the Kaner goal in overtime. And, you know, you're in the United Center where they're chanting Detroit Sox at different points. <laughs> and, and then they're cheering Patrick Kane for his accomplishment. They're, they're, like, it was... It was beautiful because there was, it was rhythmic, but it was also just this, like, hint of sadness to the whole thing, right? You know, the the aging of the player and now the acknowledgement of your life. And then here's Three Patrick generations, Molly. You'll be up here soon. And, I mean, it was, it was bloody beautiful, man. If you, if you have a soul, <laughs> oh, my God, what a day. I feel like I get this question a lot. The NFL hits Indianapolis for the annual scouting combine this week. Do you expect to get clarity on the Bears quarterback plan? Will Justin Fields officially be on the trading block? Do the Bears plan on drafting Caleb Williams? Could there be a big surprise, i.e. trade down or another quarterback emerging over Williams? That's the beauty of the scouting combine. All this stuff. You know, do I expect clarity on the Bears quarterback plan? No. I expect a ton of rumors. I expect to hear everything that's going on. You know, the thing about the scouting combine, you get a chance to interview these guys, you get a chance to talk to them. But I think I think J.J. McCarthy, uh, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix are all planning on throwing. But, um, you know, Caleb Williams will throw at his pro day. And Jaden Daniels, the guy that – that uh, at least our buddy from our lads believes could possibly get past Caleb Williams, he will throw on his pro day. So I, I would be really surprised if you had enough information to make a, a declarative statement as to who is the best quarterback coming out of the combine. Um, you know, you, you would know that from watching tape already. I don't know that you're going to see somebody – put on a show to the point where now they're ahead of, uh, of, of Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, whatever way you want to line them up. But, you know, the, the, uh, the Fields thing's really interesting. They say they'll have a plan in place. I would be very surprised if they tell us what that plan is. And I do think that there are a lot of twists and turns in this thing. I, I, I believe, personally, the Bears will eventually draft Caleb Williams, and that will be the end of it. But I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of one-way streets and dark turns, and you can get lost <laughs> in the process, and there's, there's so much left before we get to that point. I'm with you, Mully. I think we're going to hear a lot of reports. A lot of teams might be interested now in more teams that we haven't heard, probably interested in Justin Fields. But the one thing that I'm intrigued with is when Caleb Williams is going to meet with the Bears. Yes. They're going to talk. So that's going to be a little more clarity. Those rumors and reports, do Caleb want to come to the Bears? Now, yep. we saw little things here and there, but then they'll hear it from him. So I think it's going to be a little bit more clarity probably on the plan. They're not going to say anything, 
But I think we're going to get a little bit more of understanding after the combine. When I look at this question, I think to myself, obviously we're in unison here saying that, you know, there's going to be no clarity at the end of this thing uh, at the quarterback plan. Will Justin Fields officially be on the trading block? I think he is already. I think people are fielding calls. I would love to talk to a GM to get more insight as to, like, how the courting of Justin or the first pick works. Like, are, is it, has a G, like, I'm trying to, in my mind, trying to imagine if a GM has already called Ryan Poles and said, hey, like, how does that even work, that call? Is it a, all right, I got a second round pick for you. Tell me what you think. Or is it, you know, what do you want? Like, I wish I knew what that information was more like, because then it'll give me a better idea as to how many conversations Ryan Poles has had about Justin Fields with other teams. Do the Bears plan on drafting Caleb Williams? I mean, the the thing that bums me the most is that if you do draft Caleb Williams, then there's no there's no draft compensation that comes with it, right? It's just Caleb Williams, and that's fine. You know, if that's what Ryan Poles thinks is the best thing to do, it's just that would sting a little bit. That it's just Caleb Williams and nothing else. But maybe it'll be worth it in the very end. Um, will there be a surprise as as, a, as in a trade down or another QB emerging? The trade down that I'm anticipating is the one from nine to whatever that is. I think the Bears have a, a good grasp of players that are in that area, and I'm sure they feel like some of them are going to be able to get the same grade. So that, that's maybe where the draft compensation comes from. Um, another quarterback emerging over Williams. Did you guys see that Drake May dot that he threw? They hit the crossbar from 80 yards away. Not that I'm trying to say that Jake May is amazing, but I'm just saying, you know, things like that get, don't you, do it. get you drafted early. Hey, <laughs> you could say don't do it. You could say don't do it. But when he's a stud, I just want all my cuts that I said saying to draft Jake May to pop up on this station so that that way I can say that, that I was right. I'll take your questions. I don't, have, I don't have much to say about this. All right. The White Sox have joined the Matt Eberflus-like acronym game talking about playing fast both in the acronym and running the bases. How do you explain catcher Martin Maldonado dogging it to first base in the spring training opener? Do you believe that Pedro Grafal addressed it with him as the broadcast team said in game two? I think he did because he talked about it after the game. But the difference between Martin Maldonado and last year's White Sox team is Maldonado's answer to what happened. He said, quote, I didn't come out of the box the way I should have come out of the box. I want to lead by example. I feel like as a team or as a person, we should have exactly the same mentality. If I want to get somebody accountable on their own, I have to be accountable to myself first. Night and day from last year, where no player seemed to come out and say things like this in the event that they did something wrong. They would say, yeah, I got to do better. But it was nothing like my team should play this way. And if I want them to play this way and I want to hold them accountable, then I need to be held to the same standard and I need to do these things. To me, that said a lot. And I loved another thing that Pedro Grafal said. He said, when a reporter asked him about, you know, Maldonado running, he said, isn't like, basically, isn't that what you're coming to the stadium to see? Guys to play hard, to beat out throws, to give their best effort. That's what you are paying to see from this team. And damn it, that's what we're going to get. And so for me, all those things kind of played in well. I don't know. I might be back in on the White Sox. 64 wins might be the victory total this year. I don't know. Oh, my God, Gabe. <laughs> That's even too high. Like, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I want to know who talked first. Was it Grifo? I know Grifo talked to him. I know that had to happen because of his post-game response. And that's the right thing to say. 
Because you don't want to be out there looking bad. They just signed you. You're looking bad. Then you're going to end up like Grandal later next season. So that makes sense. He's pr- he got to prove it to himself. So that makes sense. And then this whole fast concept, of course, Pedro Grifo is going to have to talk to everyone about that because it's, if people are out there dogging it to first base and stuff like that, you know they're going to go right to? This was – I thought, what happened to the fast? What, what happened to the fast? What happened to that? So – it makes sense. I, I I thought Pedro Grifo should never said that because now if they dog it, they're just going to point right there at Grifo the whole time. So you, you better hope these players get on board. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, it was so disappointing uh, just watching the game, the first game. Jesse Chavez gave up six runs to the Cubs in the first inning. <laughs> uh, it, I, I watched both games because I wanted to see John Schifrin the new broadcaster. I just wanted to get a. How do you think he did? I thought he did fine. I had no problem with him whatsoever. Um, I had a buddy who texted me who we were watching the game and he said, he said, basically he's excited. I get it. It's, it's an early game, but the Sox will beat that out of him, (laughs) which I thought was very funny (laughs) by the end of the year. I mean, he was very upbeat and very excited. And, uh, and there was a lot of uh, of Stony um, in both those broadcasts, so it was great. I, I like hearing a lot of Stony, so I thought it was uh, I thought it was neat and good. Um, we'll we'll see, right? I, I don't, you know. I think he's, you know, Jason would offer kind of a different viewpoint, a lot of analytics. He doesn't seem to be bogged down by that. He he didn't make a lot of cheesy jokes. Uh, which Jason loved to do. It was it was a different kind of broadcast. But what did you think of it? Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, like anything, any anything in media, you just can't judge someone by their no. first couple games. No. You got to give it them fun. a bunch. I think yeah. he's going to be professional. Brandon, what do you think? Same, uh, same, same as yeah. we gave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Um, it, it was, um, but Maldonado. Getting back to this question. <laughs> He's supposedly some leader. Now, he's already the slowest guy in baseball. So you hit one back to Wicks, and you don't even bother coming out. It's a terrible, you know you're out. You don't even bother running. Wicks misplays the ball. Now it's like, uh uh-oh, I'm a third of the way to first base. So he gets on his horse a little bit, and mercifully, Wicks misplays the ball again. Kind of just throws it out of bounds. He was... You're getting on first base whether you like it or not. They said Maldonado addressed the team and apologized for it, and they said that um, that uh, Pedro talked to him about it. You can't have that from a veteran guy. You just can't have that. And you know what else? You can't throw to second base and start arguing about the call and let the guy go to third. <laughs> right, that, that can so happen. So I, I, I don't know what to make of the machete, but, you know, if you're looking at the first few games, not so good. All right, there you go. 312-644-6767. We're going to get to your calls eventually here. We have the extra point next. It's Mully and Haw with Gabe Ramirez here. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays, too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. How disappointed are you to see that Patrick Williams will need season-ending foot surgery as he enters his restricted free agency? I would love to continue to be a bull. I think I love it here. I love you know, the, the opportunity that we have to build culture, to build something special um, with this group, with this team. And I think that I could you know, really be a cornerstone piece for this team. Cornerstone piece for this team. I'm sorry. Did that not just jump? I mean, that that he said that, right? You know, you just you sit there and you, if you were drinking something as he was telling you that, you'd have the spit take. Um, no, no, he's not a cornerstone piece for this team. I feel bad. I was hoping he'd have a better year this year. We'd have more clarity on who he is as a player, and it's it's tough that now he's out for the year because what do you do with him? He says he wants to stay. What do you do with Patrick Williams? Total dilemma. Presumably, you got to move on from this group in some fashion, right? And he's young, and that's still what it, you know. That's still the best thing he's got going for him. But is he? Is he a? I was going to say, is he a building block, like one of many bricks you'd put up on a wall? He's definitely not a cornerstone. He's not. I mean, he's apparently. He's self-deluded. A middle stone, not a corner. <laughs> well, he's just a stone. A stone, just He's a just stone. one of the many stones that you need, but not the one that is holding the damn thing together. No. No. I, that was the part. I, I said it to Alex when I even had this clip ready to go. I was like, cornerstone? <laughs> Patrick Williams, cornerstone? So I, that was the part that got me. I'm yeah. It sucks a little bit because he's always hurt. It's like yeah. you're about to see the potential. Look like he just needs some more games. Things was getting going for him with him and Kobe White a little bit when Zach was uh, out, and then next thing you know, he's injured again. And and that's the thing is like, what do you pay him? And I remember those early reports of like he was. Didn't he want like tw- didn't he want like twenty thirty million like almost a season one time? I saw those reports. I think Casey talked about it before the season even started. It was like early. I like are we are we serious? Patrick Williams, but, like, he's a good defender. I mean, just see what team's going to pay him and see if you want to match it or not. But maybe AK feels that, you know, I I need to keep it going with Patrick Williams because he's my first pick that I had since I was with the Bulls. I I don't know. I I really don't know what to do with Patrick Williams. Extremely disappointed that Patrick Williams needed season-ending foot surgery. Another year where you don't get to see him develop. Another year where – 
you now have to play the what if game with Patrick Williams. And I'm tired of it. And it's nothing to do with Pat Will. It's just more so the lack of productivity. I think Patrick Williams, if the Bulls are to keep him on this team, he needs to be a bona fide role player. No more, no more experiments in the starting lineup. No more filling for someone when they're hurt. No, sir. You are on the bench. And if you can get me seven points and eight rebounds, then that'll be fine. The issue is just that. Patrick Williams has averaged less rebounds every year he's been in the league. And it's not much to begin with. 4.6 is rookie year, 4-1, A man that big and so powerful should be averaging more rebounds than that. I think that's, what's hurt, that, that's what hurts his game. Points per game is just 9 and 10. That's it. 9, 9, 10, 10 for the last four years. So it is, it is very disappointing because we haven't seen much from him. He's just not confident enough, not aggressive enough, and doesn't shoot the ball consistently enough to, to be a difference maker on this team, which most people thought he would be. Sad. The crazy thing, though, I would say this. Like, if he was on a horrible team, though, like a really bad team, like the Bulls are bad, but I'm talking about, like, Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons bad. I feel like he might be decent. He, he, might, be, Brandon, he might be good. Brandon, he might, he'd like, be too passive. That's his problem. He is passive. He, you, but he, when, you, you what I'm saying is with the Bulls, when, when, when DeMar and Zach no. and Vucevic was and, out and he's yes. in, he was the one that was scoring those points. And, he was giving you 28, uh, like 20, 18 points. And I, I, hear that, I hear that with those two guys being out, but I think if you put them on the Wizards – He's gonna default to a Kyle Kuzma. He's gonna he's gonna gross. allow them. To ex- it is gross, but that's just the kind of player he is. He's not a guy that's gonna come down and put up 17, 18 shots a game. He's just not gonna do it. And that's the biggest problem with, with Pat Will. I don't know if it's how he came in the league or right. whatever it was, or just but his personality or his personality. He's just not the aggressive alpha that he needs to be when people were calling him the baby claw. He's gonna give everyone the- their flowers. That's a reference to the. <laughs> High school job. Just. No. Uh, all right. 3-1-2. You can't average I, one free throw a game. You know what? The, the thing is, the only hope the Bulls had this year is that this guy was going to come back and have sort of the Kobe bump, right? Yes. In the back of your mind, you kind of, well, you know, maybe this guy can become a player somehow in the final X number of games because there's so much riding on it. And instead, he's out for the year. I, uh, I treat it like like college. Like, it probably takes you, unless you're a superstar, like you got it in you, probably takes you about, like, four years to really, like, get it going. Like, example, a, Kobe White. Yeah. And now Patrick is just injuries. It's hurting him. Yeah. No, it's, the injuries are killing him. And, I, I mean, if you're getting rid of guys, why would you keep uh, It's because he's young and you drafted him. That's about all he's got going for him, frankly. You have no resolution as to whether or not he can play. Thanks to this latest injury. In 43, Molly, in 43 games, he's only scored 20 points four times. Yeah. That's just not good enough. Yeah, he's not good enough. And then you got Tyrese Halliburton at the All-Star game going crazy. You drafted the wrong guy. You drafted the wrong guy. I think Tyrese Maxey was in that draft, too. Desmond Bain. I mean, those three guys, guard play is what the Bulls need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 312-644-6767. Were you out there yesterday? Were you at the United Center how great was that day for the Chicago uh, Blackhawks? Did you appreciate Chelly's speech? Watched on TV, thought it was awesome. You know, I love the local guys made good, and, and he's certainly one of those. And back in town, it's wonderful to see. It's Mully and Haw, Gabe Ramirez here, Chicago Sports Radio.
670 to score. Rebound save. Oh, look out to break it. Ahead for guess who? Patrick Kane. He's in. He scores. Patrick Kane on the ice he used to call home for 16 seasons. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 of the score. Patrick Kane, best Hawks player ever. Is that what we were discussing last week? And uh, Eddie Olchek said that. I, I guess you couldn't really argue with it, right? All you simply have to do is just go back to the playoffs. Yeah. Where you saw Kane. Big goals. Big yeah. goals coming no through. No question. You know, even the years where he didn't, they, yep. they didn't win, he was Cup putting up big goals. numbers. Yeah. yeah it's just... You know what's funny is like I didn't see any mention of Jonathan Taves yesterday, and I I, mm. I mean that's okay. You don't, you know, he and Kane aren't you know linked at the hip or anything. We just think of them as two young guys that came up together. But like Hosa was there, and he's with Patrick Sharp and Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith, and you're looking at that generation of Hawks, and then there's the whole uh, earlier generation of Blackhawks and. It was just odd that that his name, for whatever reason, never really came up. Um, you know, I, I don't know why it would, but it was just a little bit strange that uh, no one ever mentioned Jonathan Taves because he was the captain. You know, he – I mean, you know, Kane was the goal scorer and Kane is this great player and probably able to play a lot longer than Jonathan Taves because – he didn't use himself up in the same way. You know what I mean? It wasn't like even those series against Vancouver that got kind of ugly. No one was able to take a run at Kane. He, he was just not a guy that took tons of hits. Whereas, like, Taser, if you needed someone to stand in front of goal, he was willing to do it. He, he would fill in whatever was missing on the team to his detriment, in my opinion. And... um I, I think he's a great player. I just thought, you know, because of not only was he a, like a really good hockey player, but because of the role of captain and the way that he kind of kept everyone in check and kept everyone, you know, like him, captain serious. Uh, it was just interesting. I mean, I, I know it had nothing to do with Jonathan Taves, but I just it was just weird that no one ever really seemed to mention him for whatever reason. Yeah, 15 years, you know, with – with squad, you would think, you know, there'd be some sort of mentions. But, you know, Mully, as he announced last year when he wanted to take some time away from yes. from hockey, maybe maybe that had to do with it where, you know, the guys yeah. understand that information and they're like, hey, you know what, I don't even want to bring his name up so that that way okay. he doesn't get any mentions or tweets or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it was just like a great night for the Blackhawks. Um, it's weird. Like, Kane is two teams removed from the Blackhawks, and he's on – you know, the hated Red Wings, <laughs> traditional rival, used to be in the same division, and that's dissipated quite a bit. But just, you know, for for Chris Chelios to have his number retired and to have Detroit as the team that's there, given that's where he went when he left here, <laughs> and, you know, obviously to have Patrick Kane now playing for the Red Wings, you know, with Debrinket, I I think that, you can't help at different points. I know they're completely rebuilding their team, 
And I did read the athletic yesterday and they had them as the, I think he had them as the seventh best minor league system. And he broke down various players and how they'll fit in. And there were tiers to where those players are. And they got a, a couple of guys um, in, in Moore and, and uh, Noser who are on their way up and could be really good NHL players. They're going to have a, a high pick this year, a top five pick. The, the best player, I guess, is that uh, – is it Macklin Cellini? Is that the guy's name? Celebrini. Celebrini. Macklin Celebrini, who is a 17-year-old freshman at Boston University. Isn't that crazy? That he's he's only seventeen right now. He hasn't turned eighteen yet. He kind of has that Taves swag to him too, where he fills in a lot of different roles. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So that's the that's the big prize. Be nice to add him to Connor Batard, right? I mean, it's looking good right now. Yeah, <laughs> where the where the Blackhawks are yeah. currently sitting. They, they do. It looks good where they're sitting. They, yeah. Don't don't they have two first round picks this year? I believe they they uh, have an extra one later on. So they'll. They will continue to get a lot of players, and they've got a lot of picks. I think they got two number ones the next two years. Is that right? Wow, I didn't. I yeah, they got a lot of picks. Check that out, Alex Kuhn and Brandon. That'll be a good one. I I, I think the Blackhawks in the situation that they're right now. I mean, obviously getting Bedard back was big a, couple, a week ago. But I mean, like when you're trying to think, you know, what are you trying to establish in the present with this team, right? I mean. You're trying to figure out who's going to be on the squad. It's not like they're tearing something down. But the Blackhawks have a, have a long way to go, Mully. This isn't something that, you know, a lot of people thought with Bedard being on the team that they were going to vie for a playoff spot or could potentially, you know, Bedard obviously missing some time, you know, hurt. But, I mean, even still, there's just – there's such a huge gap between, you know, the Blackhawks and, and whoever and, and teams that are at the top like Vancouver and such. Oh, I mean, the Hawks are so far away. That's what I'm saying. From contention, it's beyond human comprehension. I totally agree with you. They got one player. I mean, they got, right, right. They got a very great young guy that you want to watch, and it's fun to see, but that's not a hockey team. And, um, you know, they're going to have to – you're going to have to figure out who they are and what they have, and I'm talking about in, like, three years. They're not going to be much better next year. Um, the year after that, maybe – they start loading up with some of these young guys, and then you figure out what you need and how you get better and who you got to bring in to play with them, and they'll have a lot of pieces in the minor league system if they want to make deals, et cetera. So that's what a rebuild is. Um, really going to be interesting to see. 312-644-6767. Let's squeeze in Carter. He's in Naperville. Hey, Carter. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Good. Hey, let's start from the beginning when Kaner was on the Hawks. That team was a dynasty. Those three cups that they got, that that was an unreal stretch. And then, honestly, for Kaner, too, to close it out the way he did last night, you know, I, I've never been happier in a loss. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was a great moment for him, and it was a great moment at the United Center, but – you know, not a great moment for the Blackhawks, but there haven't been a lot of them this year. So it's, you can't get upset about it. Yeah, taking the early lead, you thought, hey, man, you know, yeah, this might be a great one. night. <laughs> yep, no, no doubt about it. But, um, yeah, I, do, I don't know I don't know what they have beyond counter Bedard. <laughs> I mean, right now. They got a couple of young guys, and 
you know, Kaczynski and um, Flasic, local guy made good, but no. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall. We've got Gabe Ramirez on Chicago Sports Radio 670 School. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes a certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.